Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. You are listening to the Revolution Health Radio Show. This show is brought to you by chriscresser.com. I am your host, Steve Wright from SCD Lifestyle. With me is integrative medical practitioner, healthy skeptic, and New York Times bestselling author, Chris Cresser. Chris, how you doing? I'm well, Steve. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Yeah, you can tell the weather's changed a little bit around here. Yeah, apparently you uh, haven't turned on the heat yet in the house. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're doing the cold thermogenesis. Now, uh, it's uh, it's actually looks like it's going to be sunny and warm, but it's cool. It's definitely cooled off a bit. I, uh, I've been enjoying the fall. It's been abnormally hot for October. I've been surfing quite a bit, which has been, it's always really good for me. Uh, but the past couple of days, it's definitely cooled off. Nice. Yeah, it's actually heating up here in Colorado, so it's going to be 80 in a day. Pretty good. Bringing pretty the good. shorts back out. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much how it's been here. It's it's like September is usually like that. October, you never know, but it's uh, we've had our, our September in October. And I hear that El Nino is, they're, they're predicting it's going to be a stronger El Nino year this year. So it's going to probably be pretty wet. Uh, but, but the benefits of that are the big, bigger swells, better waves. So Hey, I, there I, you go. I'm okay. <laughs> so what did you have for breakfast this morning? You know, I had a, Elan made a, a really amazing chicken soup. I mean, chicken soup is one of those things that can just be so bland and blah if it's made, you know, like the Campbell's chicken soup or the typical way, but it can be so tasty and amazing if it's done well with fresh ingredients and good seasonings and stuff. So, and, and on a colder morning, I really like to have that for breakfast. And then we had, I had some, we had some leftover uh, almond flour biscuits that came out of the Zen Belly cookbook, which we've been enjoying a lot. I think I mentioned that on a previous show. And uh, so I had chicken and biscuits, basically, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Sounds delish. <laughs> With a little bit of sauerkraut. And Sylvie, Sylvie loved it, too. So, yeah. Uh, we have a great question again. Uh, everyone, thank you so much for sending the questions. And it's really great to be able to answer questions that I know are relevant to you. And um, we've had, we have so many good questions being submitted. So, so keep them coming, please. Uh, before we do that, just wanted to remind you uh, that the 14.4 is, is live. Uh, this, this show we record a couple of weeks in advance, so it's been live by the time you're hearing this for a couple of weeks. Um, and it's, a, it's the to- a, a total mind-body reset in 14 days. So you, you uh, make four big changes in 14 days. You dial in your, your nutrition your physical activity, your sleep, and your stress management. And I consider How those to be the four most important daily areas what that determine Thank our health. You. And, you know, there are a lot of paleo challenge programs out there. I've, I have mm-hmm. one myself. And it, diet, of course, is crucial. But I, all too often, we neglect the stress management, sleep, and, and uh, physical activity parts of the equation. And I've, I just see that happen a lot in my practice and my work with people. And so I wanted to put together a program that was a little bit shorter, a little bit more accessible, uh, but but one that included all four of the elements that I think are just super, super crucial. So it's a really great program and we've got video demos of uh, exercises you can do easily at home or while you're on the road, uh, video and audio demos of stress management techniques, sleep tips, uh, help you get a better sleep, and of course, meal plans, recipes, 
Uh, we've got a private Facebook group that's that's staffed by my uh, registered dietitians, Kelsey and Laura, to answer your questions. And I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to help a lot of people and, and give people a chance to really uh, dive into this with a lot of support and handholding in a way that hasn't been possible yet. Yeah, I think it's um, so important to concentrate on all these factors at once because I, I feel like it's we're a culture where we're compartmentalizing everything these days. And so like we get very focused in on like diet and the, the super best is everything maximized in diet. And then we totally forget about uh, walking every day or sleeping or stress or something. And so to have a program that really zooms back out to 15,000 feet and kind of really helps out um, bringing everything in alignment. I think that's really important in today's day and age. So I'm looking forward to trying it myself. Yeah, I, I, as I said last time, I plan to do a 14-4, you know, once a quarter just to kind of hit the reset button. And these are things that I've I've been doing for a long time. But even, you know, for me, having done them for years and years, it's still sometimes a challenge to, to keep them all, um, you know, to keep, keep them all a regular part of my daily life. Because let's face it, there's a lot going on for most of us. And it can be uh, a struggle to, to keep these things in place. So the, the 14-4 is like, uh, like I said, a total mind-body reset. And, and uh, I hope it works as well for you as it's worked for me. So uh, go, you can check it out at 144.me, 144.me. And uh, now we will move on to this, this uh, question, which, which we've gotten in some form uh, in, uh, several different times over the years. I think we, you know, we've talked about it as well, but I want to just take the opportunity to kind of summarize everything in, in one place. So here we go. Hi, Chris. I've been on hormonal birth control pills for a few years now and am beginning to think about starting a family. I wanted to see if you had any recommendations for women like me who've been on birth control for a period of time. Do you recommend stopping birth control for a length of time before trying to conceive? I proposed this to my doctor and she just basically scoffed at the idea, but I think there must be some benefit in restoring a natural hormone balance before trying to conceive. If you do think this would be beneficial, what other things can I be doing to help aid the body in restoring that natural hormone balance? Thanks. All right. Well, uh, (laughs) as is almost always the case, the answer to this question is, uh, it depends. No, it's <laughs> it's just always that simple. It depends. Maybe uh, is another way of putting it. Um, the thing is, some people who take birth control for years will be able to stop birth control and just resume having a normal menstrual cycle with no problems. But I'll tell you that from my experience, those people in the minor are, are in the minority, and it could be that I just don't see those people in my practice because they have no reason to contact me. But just from my experience as a clinician and hearing from people through the blog and, and podcast and other colleagues of mine, I think it's pretty common for women who've been on birth control for a, a while to have issues when they stop. And there's actually a, a, a term that's used in the functional medicine world for this, which is post-birth control syndrome. And I've talked about that before on the podcast and maybe even written about it a little bit on the blog. And it basically describes the set of problems that a woman can experience when they get off oral contraception. And you won't find that term in the scientific literature, and you won't find a lot written about that specifically, but you will find studies that 
show mechanisms or that that indicate mechanisms which uh, individually, when you put them together, could lead to this syndrome. Because a syndrome is not a disease; it's a it's a collection of signs and symptoms. So, it, you know, other syndromes that we've talked about before would be adrenal fatigue syndrome. Adrenal fatigue is not a disease like diabetes; it's a collection, uh, a constellation of signs and symptoms. Uh, premenstrual syndrome is another constellation of signs and symptoms. So. Uh, post-birth control syndrome would be this constellation of things that can happen after you use oral contraception for, for an extended period of time. And the extent to which somebody will develop post-birth control syndrome is usually directly related to the length of time they've been taking the oral contraceptives, as well as their genetic and epigenetic sensitivity to the underlying mechanisms that can lead to that syndrome. So... Let's talk a little bit about what those mechanisms are. The first one would be nutrient deficiency. So there, there are studies in the literature. Uh, we can uh, include one of them that summarizes some of these issues in the show notes that discuss the nutrients that can often be depleted by our oral contraceptive use. And there's a fairly long list of them. I'm going to talk uh, more you know, more specifically about the ones I see most often, but they, they include zinc, vitamin B6, uh, B12, B2, which is riboflavin, magnesium, selenium, uh, vitamin C, and uh, th- those are the main, oh, folate, yeah, which is B9. That's a, su- that's a super important one, which we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, later in the show. So all of these nutrients have been shown to be depleted by oral contraceptive use. So if you have someone who's been on contraceptives for a long time. These nutrients are depleted. They all play an important role in the menstrual cycle, but specifically uh, folate, B12, B6, zinc, and magnesium are especially important. And a woman stops and she's low in those nutrients, then she may not resume her menstrual cycle at all. Uh, That's fairly, fairly common, just having total amenorrhea after stopping birth control or it may be a very irregular cycle where it, the, the cycle length is alternating or a woman's bleeding for a, short, a very short period of time or there's a shortened luteal phase or there's no ovulation or there's ovulation happening twice. I mean, we see all kinds of, of different presentations of this. Uh, I'm just going to break it up here for a second. Um, so this nutrient depletion, this is everything. This is or this is specifically caused by the contraceptive that is being taken? This can be specifically caused by contraceptive use. This isn't just nutrient. I mean, nutrient deficiency is common in the general population. I talked about that in my book. Um, You know, almost 50% of the the U.S. population is deficient in in, in these kind of nutrients that we're talking about now. But I'm specifically talking about studies that show that oral contraceptive use depletes these particular nutrients. Okay. So... So that's a that's a different thing, and when you put that, but I'm glad you brought that up because when you when you add those together, yeah, it's a big problem because yeah. a lot of people are going into taking contraceptives already deficient in these nutrients, and then you add the contraceptives and it exacerbates that deficiency. So uh, let's talk a little bit about how to resolve these things. Uh, we always recommend uh, food whenever possible, and in some cases that's that's relatively straightforward. In other cases, like when, especially when the deficiencies are fairly severe, 
supplementation may be necessary to get back to a normal level. So for zinc, the main dietary sources would be shellfish, red meat, and pumpkin seeds. But if if that's not doing the trick, you can supplement with 15 to 30 or even 50 milligrams of zinc per day. I wouldn't stay at a 50 milligram per day dose of zinc for an extended period of time, but you can use that dose therapeutically for maybe two to three months. You want to test your zinc and copper levels and make sure that they're in a, a fairly close relationship. So uh, ideally like a one-to-one ratio or zinc, even a little bit more than copper. If copper is a lot higher than zinc, that indicates a copper-zinc imbalance, which can cause uh, menstrual problems and many other problems as well. Magnesium, I I talked about at length on the blog and in the book, uh, uh, our soils are increasingly depleted in magnesium. Magnesium deficiency is one of the most common deficiencies in, in U.S. adults in terms of nutrients. So supplementing is often helpful, uh, you know, anywhere from 100 to 400 milligrams a day, depending on what your dietary intake is like. And uh, the chelated forms like glycinate and malate are are typically better. Uh, Vitamin B6 is also lowered by contraceptive use. And this is uh, relatively well, you know, you can you, it's it's in a fair amount of foods, but one of the better sources of B six is grains, which folks on paleo diet aren't eating. And if you're not eating organ meats and grains, and if you have uh, SIBO or other issues that interfere with B vitamin absorption, which a lot of people do, you know, we run tests in our clinic. When we test people for SIBO, we also test them for their B vitamin status using an organic acids panel, and we see. Almost without exception, people with SIBO have B vitamin deficiencies. So supplementing with maybe 25 milligrams of P5P, which is the active form of of B6, or you can take 50 to 100 milligrams of of just straight vitamin B6, uh, that can be helpful. And then the other nutrients that are affected, as I mentioned before, would be folate, which we're going to talk more about when we talk about detox, uh, riboflavin, B2, uh, B- B12, uh, vitamin C, vitamin E, and selenium. So um, in, in my book, I mentioned where to get most of these nutrients from food sources. And uh, if you can't eat those foods or enough of those foods to meet your, your needs, you may want to consider supplementing with those as well. One thing that can be helpful if you have access to a functional medicine practitioner is to, to have them run a, an ion panel or a NutriVal, which are kind of comprehensive nutrient status tests that are offered by Genova Diagnostics. I think the ion used to be the Metametrics panel, but Genova bought Metametrics. So now uh, you can get the ion or the NutriVal. I think the ion uh, is a little bit more it has a few markers that the NutriVal doesn't have, but they both they're both pretty extensive, and they have a lot of different markers that can indicate uh, nutrient deficiencies. So if, if you're not able to figure it out on your own, you're having difficulty, you can try to work with a functional medicine practitioner to get one of those panels, and they can give you some insight into what's happening. How about the uh, SpectraCell panels? I prefer the Ion and the NutriVal. Um, it's difficult to test for nutrient status because each nutrient has uh, resides in, in different place, like different tissues or, or uh, is, is represented differently in the body. So for example, magnesium, 
less than one half of one percent of magnesium is in the serum. And so when you test serum magnesium, you're, you know, you're only testing for 0.5% of the total body stores of magnesium. And there is some correlation between serum magnesium and total body magnesium, but it's certainly possible to have normal serum magnesium and have low body stores. Uh, and it may even be possible to have low, low serum magnesium and, and normal body stores, although I think that's less likely. And each, so each nutrient has you know, there's, there's certain things to be aware of in terms of how it's best tested. And I'm not sure that the SpectraCell really takes that into account. So I prefer the NutriVal because they're often using organic acids or amino acids that there are cycles in the body that require enzymes to complete. And the en- each of those enzymes require certain nutrients to function properly. And so if you see a buildup of a certain organic acid, that indicates that that cycle wasn't able to complete, which means that the enzyme needed in that cycle didn't have the cofactors that it requires to to make the conversion. And then you can kind of put all of that together and you can get information about nutrient deficiency that way that might be more accurate because it's reflecting actual usage of that nutrient in the body. And, And the other thing is that that, that method of testing often tests for the, the most active form of the nutrient that's used in those enzymatic reactions rather than the precursor forms of the nutrient. So, for example, urine methylmalonic acid is uh, the best way to test for adenosylcobalamin or methylcobalamin deficiency, which are the active forms of B12, whereas serum, serum B12 actually measures all of the total cobalamins, including the less active forms of B12, like cyanocobalamin. So uh, you're getting different information depending on the different ways that you test. Okay, so the next problem that we see a lot with women who've been on birth control for a while is gut issues. And there's not a lot in the literature about this. I, I assume there will be now in the near future now that there's so much more interest in the gut microbiota uh, but there's some evidence that oral contraceptives may alter gut microbiota. I see this anecdotally in the clinic. Women who've been on birth control for a significant period of time uh, tend to have altered gut flora. Is that you know we can't be there's there's a chicken and egg question that you know did gut flora lead to issues hormonally that led to them taking birth control in the first place if they were on birth control to regulate their cycle rather than to prevent conception. Um, so this is, you know, there's more research that needs to be done here, but I think there's, it's plausible that oral contraceptives would affect the gut microbiota. And once the gut, gut microbiota is affected, it, it will in turn alter hormone regulation and detoxification. That's not controversial. We know that the gut microbiota have an effect on hormone regulation. They affect the whole HPA axis. And we know that the status of the gut certainly affects detoxification capability. So, you know, we've talked at length about uh, gut health and how to improve gut health. So I'm not going to go into a lot of detail here. I'll just refer you to my book and also to the free ebook um, that we have on the, on the, uh, at chriscresser.com on gut health. You can go to chriscresser.com slash ebooks and find it there. And then there's a lot of information on other podcasts and, and blog articles as well. So that's the number two area. Number three area would be detoxification. So the body eliminates excess hormones via detoxification, phase one, phase two detoxification. Um, If hormones accumulate from taking 
oral contraceptives for a long period of time and your detox capacity is impaired, that can be bad news because you get a buildup of those excess hormones. One of the most important processes that controls our detoxification and determines whether it will work properly is, is methylation. And I think we just did a show on methylation what, six weeks ago or something like that, Steve. Um, so check that out for a primer on methylation and, uh, if you're not familiar with it. But in short, impaired methylation is fairly common, and that's because a, a relatively high percentage of, of the population, like 45% of the population, is heterozygous for an MTHFR mutation, which in layperson's terms means almost half the population has a genetic mutation that reduces the activity of the MTHFR enzyme by, by uh, you know, up to between 20 and 40%. And... Uh, that alone doesn't mean that the, the enzyme won't function well. I want to emphasize that because I, I see a trend out there that, that really disturbs me, which is that people are getting genetic tests and then taking supplements only on the basis of their genetic results. And I think there's really no, nothing in the research literature to support that. Uh, genetics, genes load the gun and environment pulls the trigger, as I've said before. So genes can tell you what kind of methylation issues you're predisposed to having your specific genetic profile, but it can't tell you how you're actually methylating or whether you need methylation support. So I just want to emphasize that because I, I've been seeing there are these companies now where you can run your genetic profile through them and they spit back a list of supplement recommendations. And I have a big problem with that. It's a huge pet peeve of mine right now. And I see people, a lot of people doing potential damage to themselves by just following those recommendations based only on the results of their gene profile. Anyways, uh, I digress. So um, methylation, though, can, can be impaired by environmental factors. And I, and I would say diet and lifestyle have a far greater impact on your methylation capacity than your genes do. Because everything from your diet to your, the method of birth, you know, whether you were born vaginally or by a C-section, or whether you uh, actually had a strong bond with your mother in, in early years makes a big difference in terms of methylation and gene expression. There's a lot of research on that. Uh, exposure to environmental toxins, exercise, sleep, stress, man, you know, all the things that we're always talking about directly affect methylation and they affect it, like I said, in a way that's probably more significant than genes. So uh, addressing any, you know, first identifying any methylation issues and then addressing them can really help with detoxification. So if, if you're working with a functional medicine practitioner, they can run panels like the H Health Diagnostics and Research Institute HDRI Methylation Pathways panel. It's a great panel with uh, nitrotyrosine and catalase and some other markers added to it um, to get a functional assessment of methylation. There, there are some other urine panels that can help give information about methylation, um, particularly with COM-T. So you see how you're converting certain uh, metabolites of estrogen into others, and that can give you information about methylation. You can look at serum histamine, uh, whole blood, uh, blood histamine levels, and see uh, because uh, histamine breakdown requires methylation. And so if you have high histamine levels, you it's, it's fairly likely your methylation is impaired. So there's lots of different ways you can get that information from uh, working with a practitioner who knows what they're doing. But if you're working on this on your own, I can give you a, a couple of basic recommendations. One would be 
a supplement that Rob Wolf and I created in the Paleologics line called Adapticlear. And this is, you know, I, I, we talk about this as a detox product and it is, but what it really is, is a methylation support product in addition, because of course, you know, when we were formulating it, I knew that one of the main ways to support detoxification is by improving methylation. So there are many of the nutrients that support detox and methylation in there, like trimethylglycine, molybdenum, uh, N-acetylcysteine, glycine, cordyceps, and go-to-cola. And then there's also the nutrients that a lot of people taking contraceptives are deficient in that also support methylation like B6, folate, and B12. So that's Paleologic's Daptoclear. You can get that in my store at store.chriscresser.com. And then there's glutathione, the, the master antioxidant, our old friend. We talked about uh, a lot, and I prefer the liposomal form of glutathione. You can also get that in my store. Uh, Epsom salt baths are a pretty good option for to general detox support. So you can add three cups of Epsom salt uh, to hot water and soak in that for 20, you know, 20, 25 minutes at night. And that can be really helpful as well. Yeah, you might want to work up to three cups though. Yeah, that's right. It can be, it can be uh, depending on your status, it can, that can be a little bit too much. Um, also, and this, there's no, this, this next thing we're going to talk about, it's not really specifically related to oral contraceptives per se. And that I've never, I haven't seen research that contraceptives can affect or, or, or impair adrenal status, but it's true that a lot of women who have hormone issues have uh, adrenal fatigue syndrome, and that's at the root of the hormone issues often. So uh, you definitely want to address any adrenal fatigue issues that are present. Um, and that's going to be an important part of dealing with, with, uh, you know, re uh, recovering your cycle, normal cycle and, and optimizing your fertility. And part of addressing blood, uh, adrenal issues is making sure that your blood sugar is properly regulated. So, um, you know, this is where all of the basic recommendations that, that we make, uh, in my book and now in the 14.4 come into play. Um, you got to nail down the basics first before you do anything else. You got to get your diet in line, your stress management, your sleep, and your physical activity. Uh, and then once you have those dialed in, you can start working on some of these more advanced issues that, that we're talking about. So I hope that was helpful. I know uh, this is it's a big question, and there's uh, there's a lot that we covered, and and there are a lot of areas where you're still going to need to kind of go and get more information. But I wanted to just provide at least a, a, an overview of all the different elements that can be involved in this, and and that point you in the right direction for each of them. So again, hope hope it was helpful. Thanks everyone for listening, and see you next week. Yeah, thanks everyone. In between shows, um, if you want to catch up with. Chris and, and see what he's doing, see what he's researching. You know, he, I know he dives down these rabbit holes and he's creating programs like 14.4, um, which you should check out at 14.4.me. But in between there, when he's trying to figure out how to, how to bring you new and great information, he's going to be posting studies on Facebook and Twitter. So go to facebook.com forward slash Chris Cresser LAC and twitter.com forward slash Chris Cresser to catch up on all that stuff that doesn't quite make it to the blog yet, or maybe you'll see it in six months on the blog. So thanks for listening.